Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Kate King is a licensed psychotherapist, board-certified art therapist, published author, professional artist, and creative entrepreneur. In today's episode, we talk about her new book, The Radiant Life Project, Awaken Your Purpose, Heal Your Past, and Transform Your Future. In this book, she expertly teaches a unique transformational healing strategy that integrates science, psychology, creativity, and spirituality. This helps you find your authentic self and helps center and ground you amid chaos. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. I am as well. I'm glad I have another psychotherapist on the call today. We're going to talk shop and you are the, the expert in this show today. So I can't wait to ask you all these questions that I know my viewers and listeners would want to ask as well. Now, an art therapist, what is that? I'm sure many people don't have never maybe heard of that before. What is an art therapist? An art therapist is a practitioner who is credentials and goes through graduate training and postgraduate hours um, in order to use different forms of artwork to facilitate healing in the art sessions. So it can be everything from drawing and painting to using textile arts. These days, a lot of technology arts can be incorporated and it can really impact the mental, psychological, emotional, and physical aspects of a person in a way that sometimes feels safer if they're not comfortable or they're not aware of the words to use or some of the, you know, talk therapy strategies might feel intimidating. So creating artwork and then talking about what is coming through the artwork as a visual example of the interior can be really mm. helpful and healing for people. I worked um, in a partial hospitalization program. So what that is, is uh, I'm sure you know what it is, but my viewers and listeners, a partial hospitalization program is it's in a hospital setting. So, so people would go there between nine and 3 p.m. and they go there during the day and get the services that they would need as a, as a traditional hospital, but they go home and sleep at night. And I was blessed and a little overwhelmed by doing the expressive therapy and expressive art therapy. And I'm not an artist at all. I'm a, I'm a composer, but I'm not an artist. And so, but to go through the different modules that they had uh, that were prepared, it was so interesting to see how people who were struggling so much in their daily life, how they could just lose themselves in the creativity of drawing or writing or whatever the modality may have been, what it was at that time. But it was so beautiful to see it because 
they were able to get past beyond whatever their life stressors were, their circumstances were, and just lose themselves in something that was different. And as you said, they didn't have to talk about it. And they were able to express themselves in such a cathartic way. So your work is fantastic. I, I have such high, um, high esteem for individuals like you. So thank you for all your hard work as well. Thank you very much. It's nice to know that you know about it and that you've seen it because for a long time, art therapy was really under the radar and not everyone knew about it. And now mm -hmm. it feels like people know a little more about it. They're excited about it. And people who don't identify as artists are willing to be brave and try something new because yeah. it really impacts the brain in different ways. And it opens portals for people that you can't access just by talking alone. Yes, it, it certainly does. Now I want to transition into your book. So this is this book. I don't know if it's your first book or not, but I'm super excited to talk about it. The Radiant Life Project, Awaken Your Purpose, Heal Your Past and Transform Your Future. What happened in your own life that you were like, you know, I need to write this book. So this book was born out of a five month sabbatical that I took from my clinical practice after mm -hmm. working on the front lines of the COVID pandemic and just getting mm -hmm. incredibly burned out to the point where I noticed my empathy was strained. I wasn't showing up in ways that I was mm -hmm. proud of with clients or even with my family and my friends. So I took a pause from my practice to self-reflect because it is essential for me to practice all the things I teach. Yes, and so this book is filled with all of the things that I know, everything I've learned in my clinical experience, as well as little gems I've picked up along the way in my own transformational journey, which has been a trauma healing journey, a personal mm. growth and expansion and spirituality and awakening journey. And it's all really tied together with the science that I believe is impactful yeah. combined with the applicable tools and the practices of doing this work. So mm -hmm. this book was really the product of deep soul searching and kind of emerging on the other side of that tunnel mm -hmm. with clarity and with purpose that when we heal ourselves and we do the inner work to look at our patterns and our maladaptive functioning and coping strategies mm -hmm. and the unhealed wounds inside of us, once we start to heal that, we can have a ripple effect that goes so far beyond ourselves and impacts yeah. our families and our collective and our entire world for the better. Well, congratulations on doing your own work. I know for, uh, I, you know, for people who are on the front lines, there's often what's called uh, compassion fatigue and so, or, or secondary trauma. And so in that, what that is for my viewers and listeners, that is when usually a first responder or clinicians, we hear something over and over and it becomes so, it takes so much empathy as we're talking to the client that it just kind of burns us out. And so we all of a sudden will sometimes feel that trauma or sometimes we hear it so often that we're just like, I don't really have the empathy, kind of like you were experiencing, which is very normal to have. And so I'm glad you realized that, took some time off for yourself, were able to self-reflect, work on yourself, and then create this beautiful book. And every situation, it can either be a stumbling block or a stepping stone. So congratulations once again for having this be a stepping stone for you. Now, in the book, I was looking at the different aspects of it. Now, you talk about finding one's true north. What does that mean? So we each have a compass inside of ourselves that is intricately connected with our integrity and our authentic self, our highest level connection to our essence of who we are. And in our society, it's really easy to get derailed from who we truly are and get sort of sucked into the expectations and the overculture and the group think, especially during really difficult times, kind of like we're in right now and we have been in for a while. And so coming back to True North is finding 
who you truly are at that authentic level, finding what helps resonate the integrity within you that, yes, mm -hmm. this feels like a me kind of choice. This feels like truth. And then living from that perspective, like you would with a compass when you're lost and you're looking for true north or you're looking for Stella Polaris or the North Star. Mm -hmm. That's what guides you. And so we all have a compass like that inside of us. And it's just as simple as learning how to navigate from that. Mm -hmm. And once you do, then it's really hard to not navigate from that place because true north resonates so deeply and profoundly with the authentic self that we are, that when you start to be disingenuous and stray from that genuine integrity place, it doesn't feel good anymore. And so it's easier to come back to true north once you identify where yeah. it lives inside of you and how to find it. Yes, I agree with that. A lot of times life becomes very stressful or very mon or very monotonous or the minutia of life. Uh, we're like, oh, I don't want to do this again, but we have to do it. So the responsibility, uh, stressors, sometimes that becomes so overwhelming that we don't even realize that we've kind of veered away from that. What are some techniques? I know it's in the book. What are some techniques and strategies that people can do to realize that I don't have to take four hours to figure this out. I can do it moment by moment, you know, whatever time I have during my day. And then also realize that I, perhaps I have settled for mediocrity. What are some things that you would help people? regarding that. So one of my favorite quotes comes from Viktor Frankl's work, Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. And Good his book. quote is, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose and in our choice is mm -hmm. our freedom. So I like to teach people to really find that space between the stimulus, mm -hmm. which is whatever, whatever they're feeling triggered by, whatever feels intense, and their response, which would be the reaction to that mm -hmm. stimulus. And if they can elongate that space by simply taking breaths or closing their eyes, taking the visual sense away and putting their hand on their heart, remembering I don't have to respond in a second mm. or have a knee-jerk yeah. reaction. That really helps them to ask themselves important questions like, what do I really want in this moment? What's going on mm. in my body right now? How can I respond yeah. in a way that feels aligned for me? So that would be one technique. Another mm -hmm. one that I like to teach is what I call true yes and true no. And it's just mm. the it's the embodiment wisdom where we tend to give our mind so much power and really our mind is this sort of like fa like failable monkey that swings from branch to branch that's what's called in buddhist psychology the monkey mind and so when you come into your body for wisdom you allow your mind to take a break and you listen to the sensations that your body gives you mm, so like i'll that. have people close their eyes and just simply imagine their favorite food like it's showing up on a movie screen in front of them and then when they imagine their favorite food i ask them to notice what's happening in their body it might feel mm. like a, an uplifting or a tingling or a warmth or a lightness. That's the body saying yes. And then I okay. have them cl clear the screen and put their least favorite food on the screen and notice how their body responds. And it'll recoil, there will be tension, there might be heaviness, and that's your body saying no. And so you practice with really simple visuals like your favorite and least favorite food. And as you get more used to it, you can ask yourself questions like, how do I feel about this relationship? or mm. this job opportunity, and yeah. you still get the same yes and no responses from your body, you're just learning the language of how your body speaks to you. So when you feel that clenching, you know that's true no. Even if your mm. mind is telling you, oh, I should do this, people want mm. me to do this. Mm. Once you have that clench in your stomach, 
that is your true north saying no. And so it's a really easy and reliable way that's, it feels intuitive, but it's highly somatic and we can trust our bodies mm -hmm. because our body doesn't know how to lie. That's yeah, a component yes. of the mind. Correct. Yeah. So for those who don't know, somatic means as far as the, the physical sensations of something. So the, um, I really like how you teach that because as you know, what we think determines what we feel, what we feel determines what we do. And so many times, like you said, our thoughts, we're not aware of our thoughts or sometimes we are, but I like the fact that your entry point is the physical sensations of what your body does, because sometimes we, we, our minds are thinking about so many things at once and don't really know what's happening, but to slow it down and say, this is how my body feels, which is linked with my, my feelings and my thoughts. And so then to have that choice, um, I think so many times we don't realize that we don't have to respond right away. And so I like the fact that you find that space for people, help them realize that they have agency, that they and do whatever's healthiest for them. Um, Viktor Frankl, for those of you who don't know, uh, one of the most amazing psychologists, he was in the concentration camps. And so he learned so much about the ability to choose what your response is while he was there as well. Um, so, so many times when people try that, you know, we, it can be difficult to still find that stillness. How do you help people even slow that monkey mind down? So in, in theory, it's great. We can say, I can do this. But the monkey mind sometimes, that, that frenetic mind that, that thinks and thinks and thinks, how do you help them literally slow that down so they can then try those techniques? Well, the first step is to acknowledge it and to observe it. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, the monkey is its kind of like a toddler who's pulling on your pant leg saying, notice me, notice me. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just notice the monkey mind, like, wow, I'm really having a lot of thoughts. You know, this engagement I just had has my brain feeling really discombobulated and scrambled. And then just honoring that the thoughts are there. They're part of being a person and it's very natural to have them. And also remembering that that's not all of who you are. You have mm. a body, you have a heart, you have an energetic field. There's so much in addition to the mind. So first acknowledging that the mind is okay. Like Tara Brock teaches, she's a Buddhist psychologist and meditation teacher. She teaches this belongs. So mm. noticing the monkey mind and just saying, this belongs, this is part of me. It's okay that you're here. And then starting to just watch where the monkey is swinging and observing, yeah. gosh, I knew I was thinking a lot, but I didn't realize I was thinking exclusively about this one person over and mm. over, or I'm having thoughts ruminating shame spiral thoughts that are reminding me of some experience I had. So starting to really get granular and notice what the monkey's trying to tell you. And then I would introduce breath and just mm -hmm. allow the body to help come in. Yeah. And when we breathe deeply, we put oxygen through our brain, we calm our mm -hmm. adrenals, which are our stress response, and we create a bridge between our mind and our body that allows us to remember that we are more than just this thinking organism. We mm -hmm. have the capacity to feel, to sense, and to really work through things. We don't have to just be taken in the flow of this incessant yeah. stream of thinking. Well said. That made me think of this as well. So as people practice this, and then you're talking about maybe a traumatic uh, memory or thought. And in that, obviously, it can trigger us again. But I know you also talk about self-forgiveness. And so the recognition of that. And so that we have the persona. So I'll maybe use some psychological terms here as well. We have the persona, what we show up with. And then we have our shadow, which is the opposite side of what we show up with. And usually the shadow is the part of us that we're ashamed of or just the really, really dark side of us. But also when we sleep, our persona and our shadow, that's the talk for 
for lack of better words. Uh, they communicate and that's how we are, why we have our dreams because it helps us figure things out. But sometimes our shadow comes out and some of the choices we make or some of the thoughts we make. What are some techniques as well when it comes to self-forgiveness? Because I know for me at times I can think of something like, oh, you know, and I, I have my own strategies, but I know there it can be overwhelming for many people, including myself at times. What are some self, what are some strategies for the self-forgiveness to be able to recognize one's integrity again, to find their, their true north, and then to be able to, to move holistically towards that true north? Hmm. I think it's important to acknowledge the way that you're already thinking about your shadow material or okay. in an internal mm. family systems lens, which is mm. a, a psychotherapy modality that I love. Mm. And I recommend even for people who aren't really proficient in psychotherapy language because it's mm. amazing. So it's abbreviated IFS. And they talk about shadow material, they call them exiles. And mm. these exiles are parts of ourselves that we banish away. We put them in the basement of our psyche because the energy that they contain is too fragile and it's too vulnerable and scary. And so we create all kinds of protective mechanisms to keep us from ever feeling as fragile as we felt when we had that experience. So I think to think about that shadow material in a new way, like it's not bad, it's not wrong, we all have it. And it's actually really important because our shadow material leads us into deeper understanding of our lived experiences and our past yes. and how we got mm -hmm. to who we are today. So once you can start to see your shadow as a little kid who was doing the mm -hmm. best they could yeah. and instead of getting what they needed, they really got a whole load of pain or shame mm -hmm. or trauma instead, then you can start to have a sense of compassion for the parts exactly. of you that were yeah. hurt. Yeah. So it's not about doing away with those parts. It's not about avoiding or ignoring them or exiling them. Mm -hmm. It's about reintegrating them. Yes. So I think changing the definition of what shadow material means is a really good Perfect. start because yes. our mind can really mess with us in that way where we mm -hmm. think we know what something is and then we put it in that box forever but if we can say you know it's like adam grant's work think again about everything mm -hmm. what do you think you know and question it so what do you think you know about your shadow material and then ask yourself are you sure really is there no room yeah. for compassion or love for yeah. that part of you who was hurting so that's yeah. one strategy I would use. I really like that. You know, that's, I, we're very synergistic because I, I teach that as well as about the self-compassion. When people can really find that compassion for choices they made or that, that more fragile self, I think it really, it creates such a, a healing modality. Um, you know, gestalt work, that's, you know, for people who want to look that up, it's, it's, it's a very interesting way. Usually that's used with grief as well. So, you know, writing the letter to your younger self. So, or just talking to your younger self. So in finding that compassion for your younger self, who may have been exposed to many different things. When you do that and find that compassion for that other side of you, if you will, a different side of you, when you do that, it links the two parts together. And then that healing can really start because you can't move forward if you don't accept. And so when you accept and find that compassion, it's an easy, I don't want to say easier, but it's a more proficient entry point to be able to accept it by finding that compassion. And in doing so, that's when you're like, I, I don't like that. I'm not, I don't like the choice. I don't like what I did. And I love myself. And I think that's one of the most important things is to have that dialectic. So a dialectic for those who don't know, it's 
opposing things can exist at the same time. So you can feel happy and sad at the same time. You can not like some of the choices you made and you can still love yourself. All of that is true. And so to really find that dialectic, to really live in that, to find that self-compassion and to accept that and acknowledge it and learn from it, that I think is really one of the most important things to once again, find that personal integrity as well. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an element here, too, of common humanity, which is a term by Kristen Neff, who is sort of the guru of self-compassion. And common humanity is just understanding that we are all human. We're all flawed. Mm -hmm. There is no perfect anywhere here. And so if you can start to see that your imperfections and your flaws are just part of the package and they don't make you bad or wrong, they simply make you human, that's another avenue towards self-compassion and self-forgiveness. Yes that yeah. can be really freeing. Yes, it, it certainly can be. That's one thing I, I know on my show, and, and if I'm considered like a quote expert, which I do not like that word because I am not an expert. I'm still learning just like everybody else. But to be put on a pedestal at times when we think someone is perfect, I'm not talking about me, but just our role models, et cetera. We forget that just like you said, nobody is perfect. We all make mistakes. We all have our, our struggles as well. And so to really recognize the commonality that we're all learning together. I wanted, we have just a couple more seconds here, but I wanted, you, you talk about core values. And so we have core beliefs. Core beliefs are really what are taught as kids, what we internalize and that, you know, that's what comes out, either healthy or unhealthy. But the core values, how do you really find one's core values? How would you identify that? The most simple question is, what do you care most about? And I would have people mm. write down a list of a mm. lot of things, more things than they really want, like maybe 30 what are 30 things oh. that you really care about, right? So it could be like my family, it could be fitness, it could be I care about the environment, I care about having fresh flowers, whatever you really care about. Mm -hmm. And then go through that list and circle the 10 that you really couldn't live without. Mm -hmm. And then go through the 10 and circle the three that you would uh -huh. deeply miss if you didn't have them. And those three are the core most important values that you have and they don't have to make sense to anyone else they don't have to be socially acceptable they are just the things that matter most to you so that's how i help people to comb through and really identify that's a great exercise i'll have to try that myself i mean i have an idea of what that is but i like having to write the 30 things when you said it i was like oh my god that's a lot of things but i like that because it really makes you think expansively and then to winnow it down to the three i think is a, is a really good really good technique now, your book, I know the, the Radiant Life Project, it's, it's out and people can buy it wherever. Um, what, what would you, let me re-ask this question. Who should read this book? This book is intended for people who want to improve their lives to the point where they are being honest with themselves and they're mm -hmm. showing up authentically in their relationships. Mm -hmm. These are for people who are willing to do the healing work it takes to be the yeah. best version of yourself that you can imagine, even if you mm -hmm. don't yet have a concept for who that is. So this work is accessible for people who have done lots of therapy and are looking for next level wellness. It's also accessible for people who really haven't navigated therapy, but they wanna dip their toe in and learn a little bit about yeah. it. And the book shares a huge array of resources because there's nothing more annoying to me than a book that repeats itself all the way till the end. Yeah. So every chapter in the book <laughs> is filled to the brim with a lot of teachings and resources. So you may pick out little things along the way, or you may circle back in a year and find that teachings apply mm -hmm. differently, but it really just gives mm -hmm. people a portal into their inner work in a way that maybe they may have not found yet. 
I really like how chock full your book is with that information. I know, as you said, sometimes many books don't have that. And it's just even talking to you today. I mean, some of the things you said, you reference certain people. I'm like, oh, I should look that up. Right? I don't know who that is. And I should know who that is, but I like that. So I'm glad, you know, even this in, even in this interview, you're doing the same thing that you are in your book as well. Now, some of the, um, some of the techniques and that are in there, is this more like a workbook? Do people fill it out or is this something they would do on their own outside of the book? No, this is a book that you read from cover to cover, but embedded in the writing are what I call offerings. And they are essentially invitations to practice in real time. They involve writing, they involve creativity, thinking about things, the true yes and true no movie screen that we described is in there. So there are little places where people can practice as they're reading, um, but mostly this is a big masterclass download of how Mm. to self-help personal development in a accessible format of the book perfect and I'm, I'm confident that they can do it at their own pace as well obviously so well kate king it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show thank you you've taught me so many things today i'm really excited about your book as well so if my viewers and listeners do want to find out more information about you and to purchase your book the radiant life project awaken your purpose heal your past and transform your future where will they find all this information online a great place to find everything about my offerings my teachings about me is theradiantlifeproject.com. And you can also find my book anywhere online that you buy your books. I hope you enjoy it. Wonderful. Well, thank you once again. My viewers and listeners also know that if they can't find this information in any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll link you with Kate King and her book as well. Kate, thank you so much. I really had a great talk today. Thank you. Me too. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.